Welcome to BitFaced. Well, we promised you guys some panels, and for the first time in BitFaced history, we're going to deliver what we promised on time, or maybe a day late, but on time in our book. What follows is my coverage of the Spider-Verse panel from Denver Pop Culture Con, which I got to do because of our good friends Gabe and Juan at Thinking Outside the Long Box. I really liked this panel. I thought my guests, Kari Randolph, Mark Morales, and Laura Martin were all great to talk to. In fact, I got to do another panel with Mark and Laura the day before this, which I hope I'll get to play for you guys too. But that's what this episode is. So if you've never been to a con, and I assume most of you have, this is the audio from that panel. And thank you so much to Juan and Gabe from Thinking Outside the Long Box for not only hooking us up with this audio, even though it did take a long time, Juan, whatever, I love you, bud, but for hooking me up with this opportunity. When Tyler and I had a microphone on a cardboard box, the story you guys have heard a hundred times, never in a million years did I think that I would be hosting the Spider-Verse panel, much less DC Comics, Marvel Comics, and the panel for The Expanse, and some exciting panels coming up, which I'm almost ready to tell you guys about, but you know how these things are. In fact, I was going to confirm a guest a couple weeks ago, and they've already bailed on me. So I don't want to I don't want to be a tease. Love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting us on the webpage. There's a lot more great, exciting Bitface stuff to come this year, and we look forward to bringing it to you. And welcome to the Spider-Verse panel at Denver Comic-Con. Oh, no, sorry. Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. That's fine. I don't know about you guys, but has there ever been a better time to be a fan of Spider-Man? Between the last two movies being two of my favorites, and I don't know if anybody out there plays video games, but the video game that came out last year is absolutely phenomenal. And I think it's going to lead us down a path with Insomniac Games doing a lot more for Spider-Man. I'm Eric from the podcast BitFaced, and I'm going to be your host today. And we're going to be talking about everything Spider-Man related. Who better, though, to talk about that than the people that actually do this stuff? And we've got three people from Marvel, extremely talented, (laughs) already laughing at me. Uh, We've got Laura Martin. Mark Morales and Kari Randolph. Now, I've got some good questions for our panel today, but you know what makes a good panel, guys, is when you guys ask questions, because no matter how much I work on these, your questions are always better. So I'm going to start with a couple of mine, but you guys know the rules. If you've got a question, raise your hand. I will point to you. I want you to ask, and the most important thing, guys, is it's, let's have a lot of fun with our artists today, okay? When I was a kid and watching The Electric Company, that's my first exposure to the character of Spider-Man. I wanted to ask you guys, what is your first exposure to Spider-Man or Peter Parker? You go first. Oh, okay. All right. Hi. Um, I think for me, uh, I didn't start off reading comics. I think for me, it was definitely uh, Spider-Man and The Amazing Friends, which kind of struck a chord with me. And I liked Spider-Man. I thought he was cool, but it it definitely wasn't until, um, like, the McFarlane run for me. That was, like, my generation's Spider-Man, and that's when he just looked weird and uh, a little creepy, and uh, that was kind of what stuck with me. And uh, to this day, I'm always kind of referencing that generation's Spider-Man, like, a little more abstract and extreme and uh, the weird big bug eyes, and that was was mine, I think. Uh, for me, Spider-Man was the uh, 60s cartoon with the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, it was on literally all the time in New York. It was on like in the morning before I went to school and after I came back in the afternoon. So got into it there and then um, discovered the comic books a few years later. Um, 
This is during the uh, probably the late 70s, I guess. So it was like Ross Andrew and Keith Pollard, Spider-Man. And um, it wasn't particularly great then. I mean, um, there were some good stories, but I think it really picked up again in the 90s when McFarlane and those guys took it over mm-hmm. and really sort of took it to a new level. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the cartoon was great. The theme song was unbeatable. <laughs> I was also an electric company watcher. In fact, I started so young, I, I referred to it as electric cloppity. Uh, and uh, Spider-Man was my, was my uh, favorite skit on the show. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was my introduction to it. Any, any other electric company people out in the audience, or is it just yeah. us? Yeah, there we go, right <laughs> there. We're old. Yep. <laughs> With there being multiple Spider-Men now, that's mm-hmm. the universe that we live in in Marvel. Do you guys prefer Peter Parker? Or would you much other, rather work with another character like Spider-Ham, for example, or Miles Morales, or even Spider-Gwen? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be 100% honest. Uh, I would kill to draw a Spider-Ham book. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look, I've, I've drawn Peter Parker. I've drawn Miles Morales. I've drawn Ben Riley. Like, I've done a bunch of them, but like, I'm like, Marvel, come on, just let me, let me draw the ham, man. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I come from a an animation background as it is. Uh, so I love weird, quirky characters that don't take themselves that seriously already. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, uh, if anyone is an editor out here, which I know you're not, but if you were, <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, I'm ready to draw Spider-Ham. <laughs> the fact we live in a world where Spider-Ham is a thing is an amazing thing to me. Uh, over Christmas, I screwed up my back, and uh, my we got a Spider-Man, Spider-Ham toy for my kid, and he was like, what is this? <laughs> and, you know, I had back problems at the time, but we took him to the movies, and he was just sitting there, like, slack draw through the whole movie, like, amazing. So he's five, and he was into it like that. So, yeah, I would like to do Spider-Ham. I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd, I'd really like to play with Miles Morales a little bit. I'd, you know, I've colored Peter Parker and all, but uh, I think I'd, I'd like to explore Peter's word, uh, or Miles' world for a bit, yeah. And Spider-Ham. You know, let's face it. That's three votes for Spider-Ham, guys. So <laughs> More Spider-Ham, Spider-Ham y'all. wins. <laughs> if you want to know what's upcoming in the Marvel Universe, I think we just got a really big hint. <laughs> now, with Peter Parker being so established, do you guys prefer the rookie Peter Parker that's just learning about his powers or mm-hmm. the married, established Peter Parker that still has equally problems in his life or equal mm-hmm. problems in his life? Is he married still in the comic? I thought they... He's married, away. he's not, he's, he's a kid, he's not, but right. which version of Peter Parker do you prefer? I th- I'm, uh, I'm kind of like the, the younger Peter Parker who's just trying really hard, and uh, he's just so eager and so, you know, wants to do the right thing all the time, and that's, and, but he's still like just a dorky kid in high school, you know. I think I, I, I relate to that best as being, you know, as having been the dorky kid in high school, so... Uh, I think I prefer that, where he's just really trying to figure things out. I think it, it speaks to the character for me, especially. I like him a little bit older, like the John Romita version, where he's like in mm-hmm. college and sort of figuring it out, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not quite the bookworm that he was with Steve Ditko glasses and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit older, a little bit wiser, but still, you know, a dumb guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mentioned McFarlane as like kind of like the guy that got me into Spider-Man, but. I probably read more of the uh, Ultimate Spider-Man version mm-hmm. that by Bendis and Bagley, mm-hmm. and that version to me, like the kind of young, gangly, just a dork. Uh, yep. I I love that version so much, and so when I'm drawing Spider-Man, I'm usually thinking about that body type more than anything. I, I like him being kind of skinny and yeah. mm-hmm. um, being able to lift the car still. Yes, yeah, yeah, sure, of course. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's comics. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's the version I'm referencing mostly uh, when I'm drawing Peter Parker and honestly when I'm drawing uh, Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. Can I follow that up with a question for these guys? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, I actually did a Spider-Man sketch for the auction uh, that's going on today, this afternoon. And uh, I'm not, I'm a colorist. I don't often draw. So I had to really pull up some reference and, and you know, figure out where collarbones attach. And I just, it's not, it's not a, I don't draw every day, so it's not a comfortable thing for me. But 
I, I realized while I was working on this that I prefer drawing a very cartoony style. I would like to be able to do that, you know, super deformed, extra, you know, and Spider-Man is so great when he's drawn that way. He's like, you know, when he's just swinging and his legs are all over the place and, you know, everything's going cool. So when you draw Spider-Man particularly, how, do you prefer like the muscular, uh, realistic sort of, sort of body shape or suit or do you go more toward the animation style that, that you sort of have been trained in? I definitely go more towards the animated like i don't draw him like a human being <laughs> like yeah. at all i, I feel no like bones, yeah, yeah. no bones yeah exactly yeah, he, yeah in my mind he should be a little more animalistic and yeah a little creepy like, yeah, yeah you never like draw his hands straight they're always yeah, yeah they're like, always arched like, yeah and, uh, mm-hmm. okay i i prefer him to like if there's one pet peeve i have with spider-man artists no mm-hmm. shots at any of my peers but Whenever they draw Spider-Man and you see, like, his toes, like, yeah. it just makes you want to murder somebody. I'm yeah. like, I don't, just, just yeah. don't do that. That's nasty, man. Don't, you don't want to see spider toes. It's you just gross. Feet. There's no spider toes. You just hate feet, that's yeah. all. You just want the wedge feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I was too curious about that, what you preferred. So. Yeah, much preferred. I, I ended up going with a more, only because I was using this app called Pose Tool. So it, it just, it uses the human figure and, and it doesn't do that, that hyper extension or anything like that. So yeah. that's what my drawing ended up looking like but you know in in reality i would have preferred to be able to comfortably draw in a more you know you know rubbery spider-man right style. and when you draw him really rubbery and whatever it just stands out more with the normal people right? yeah yeah more exactly yeah he's, alien. he's more yeah. yeah yeah exactly he's more superhero-y and, and unique so okay thank you oh. <laughs> laura you're allowed to do whatever you want up here so <laughs> You guys have mentioned McFarlane and Ditko. What other artists have influenced your version of Spider-Man or how you perceive the character? Mm-hmm. Thinking <laughs> on that, right? Thinking about it. Um, I think the uh, Stuart Eminem did a great Spider-Man. Yes. But he yeah. does a great everything. Yeah. Um, but really it goes back to Ditko because he just looked like a weird... He didn't look like anybody else the way he drew him. You know, mm-hmm. That's the thing. I mean... The design of the costume is probably one of the top three, two or three designs in comics history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it in the dark and the eyes will show. You know, it's like you can play with it in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And just like weird, I mean, like the web's under the arm, why? But, you know, <laughs> it just looks cool. Is that, is that a pocket? Yeah, it's like, what is that? So, yeah, it's, it's Ditko for me, really. Ditko. Okay. Nice. Um, I think for me, uh, since I, I always like a more fun version of Spider-Man, I, I like Bagley. I like Ramos a lot because it's just, it's so unique and different. Mm-hmm. And even though he's never really, really drawn it, I'm always, whenever I see like a Bruce Tim Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I just feel like he gets the kind of weirdness of the, the character. Mm-hmm. So when I'm drawing Spider-Man, I'm looking at that kind of stuff. But when I'm drawing the, the kind of side characters like Mary Jane or, or Gwen Stacy or whatever, I, I really love, I still love the... Ramita Senior yeah. versions because I feel like he kind of nailed like all the side characters mm-hmm. perfectly like to this day. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm 100% with Carrie. I have pretty much everything he just said and Stuart Eminen. I really like his version. Spidey has quite the stable of villains. Who is your spider- favorite Spider-Man villain and why? Oh God. Well, that's easy. I just did a book uh, Spider-Man Hunted with uh, the Vulture was the character. Oh, there you go. The Vulture's an old dude. Old hunched over dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that has they strapped a rocket pack of wings on his back and he's flying around, getting off my lawn while he's fighting a young booker snapper. <laughs> what? How? You couldn't be better than that. It's like, um, I, I'd have to go with. Uh, is the kingpin? Is that the guy? Kingpin? Yeah. yeah thank you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just I blank on names all the time. Uh, I really like the kingpin. I like his. You know, he, he's he's complex. He's interesting. He's got a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of different motivations. He's evil on so many different levels, and uh, and he's fun to color. I don't know because he wears a white suit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, for, like I actually had this question at the table yesterday. They were like, "What Spider-Man villain?" And I was like, "I went immediately with uh, Mysterio mm-hmm. because he's so stupid looking." <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, he's just got, like, a fishbowl on his head and, like, the weird fan-out cape. And the eyes on his face. And the yeah. eyes. And yeah. I'm like, what a ridiculous character. But he's dumb, but he looks amazing. He's an amazing visual at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's always got, like, smoke and stuff around him. And, uh, like, if I always have my choice, I'm, like, going with him every time because he's just 
ridiculous. Yes. Another, another really good one, though, is Craven the Hunter. If you yes. channel the Burt Reynolds, 1970s, <laughs> yes. the full on so, hair. Yeah. So cheeseball, yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's absolutely. Ridiculous. <laughs> absolutely. That's a great one. Spidey has teamed up with almost every other hero that exists in the Marvel Universe, but if you guys could do your own team-up book with no restrictions, who would you team up our favorite web-slinger with? How are the Keeping duck? in the Marvel Universe? Or? You know what, Kari? You can do whatever you Ooh, want, wow, man. Well then, let me think. Mm. I shouldn't have done that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> now I just opened up a whole new world. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you can team him up with Snake Eyes if you want to, Kari. <sighs> damn it, damn it. I, okay, no, no, no. Okay, uh, here's what I would do. Here's what Darkling I would do. Duck. I, <laughs> I would, I would do, I would do Miles Morales with Static Shock, just because nice. I feel like Static Shock doesn't get enough love. Period. I think yes. it's just a cool character and a cool visual, and they're like around the same age, anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just feel like they would. Visually, that's a thing that they could play off each other well. Nice. And I just think it would be weird. And uh, I'd, I think I'd be into drawing that. Uh, I got uh, nothing <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd love to actually, this is dumb, but I'm a big X-Files fan, so I, I would love them to investigate Spider-Man. I would love to you know, see Mulder and Scully actually be like, who is this masked web slinger, you know? <laughs> I still got nothing with this one. <laughs> I want to send it to you guys for a second. I feel like I'm hogging the mic up here. If you guys have got questions, please. I can, uh, yeah, right, right there, man. First of all, the team up thing, man, you got to go respond. Oh, yeah. There you go. Total McFarland team up. Mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. reason I liked him, though, is because there's something dark. Mm-hmm. He's been through something. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I really, really like that, that, that character. I was curious if going forward, they're going to actually bring, like, maybe May Parker. Oh. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, I don't know, but it would be cool. If a character exists in Marvel, they're going to use him eventually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, oh, I mean, Spider-Ham, again, that was... Yeah, yeah. It was not the new character. It's been around for, like... 40 years, yeah. 30, 40 years. Yeah. So. so I'm sure they'll bring May back. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I felt the same way about, well, May Parker was great. And I also loved the, the Doc Ock from the movie. Yes. And I was like, they got to bring yeah. her forward. And I think they actually are in some way. Good. I saw something the other day where they're going to somehow have a female Doc Ock that looks right. just like her. So I was like. Yeah. If it's popular, they'll exploit it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she was brilliant. I loved her with her crazy hair. Yeah. She was and great. They plan on playing off of the Harry Osborne interaction. Nice. Friendship, uh, hate interaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd be into it. I'd be totally into it. Hate it. Terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> In the back, please. Okay. What's my favorite scene to color? Oh, um, I, you know, in the, uh, the first issue that I did of, uh, of Amazing Spider-Man, there was a big wraparound cover with all the characters on it. That was a, a really good chance for me to color, like, the lizard and, and, you know, all these characters. And even Mysterio was on there. And that was fun because I, I, I hadn't, even though I've been working for Marvel for a lot of years, this was my first time, and it was only a couple years ago, that I really got to, to work on a Spider-Man book. So it was fun doing that first double-page spread where I got to color all the characters in one big action shot. And, uh, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mysterio. <laughs> because I just, I just want him to do this. Yeah, like, uh, explain the, the thought process behind the fishbowl. I was like, this is what I'm going to wear. This is... Yeah. <laughs> uh, doesn't Craven already have a series? I'm not sure. He's had a few. Had I thought what yeah. I thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, that's my answer. Uh, you know, Craven's fun, and and as a colorist, I love coloring uh, jungle scenes. So, you know, you know, tigers and lions and jungle scenes is awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, Mysterio. Yeah, <laughs> Mysterio. It's really dumb. He's so weird. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Sorry, in the purple. Yeah. Uh, so I know Miles Morales is kind of had kind of up and down in the comics, kind of popular, not popular, popular, not popular, and now he's kind of. Have you guys seen a massive influx of like comics 
Was, was it ever not popular, really? I think it took a little while to kind it, of it, Yeah, it took up. a while to warm up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think a lot of... Initially, he wasn't received well, but I think with the movie now, I think we're, yeah. we're seeing a full acceptance of the character. And, yeah, uh, I, I disagree. I think it was yeah. received well. People online were criticizing it, but you yeah, people well, have complained about people everything, love criticizing but it was everything still online. selling. Yeah, certainly. but it was selling. You're right. You're, you're, you're right. going to see a lot more Miles Morales. I yeah. mean, you can yeah. look around, just look at how many people cosplay as Miles Morales. It's mm-hmm. jumped up. I almost see more of him than regular regular Spider-Man these days. So Marvel's pretty good at making money. (laughs) So uh, They know uh, I They figured it out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're going to see a lot more of Miles Morales. Which is a good thing because you have somebody like myself who's old who relates to Peter Parker, especially, like you said, sweatpants Peter Parker. I mean, I I felt like there was finally a cosplay I could do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then my younger nephew looks at a character like Miles Morales and he has someone to relate to as well. So I think think that's super important. Yeah, I agree. And he's my cousin. (laughs) Of course. Um, What's your favorite spider suit? Um, Just like what it does and then in comparison to how it would be drawn? Ooh. That's a good one. <laughs> I think the movie one is cool, but I don't want to draw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah There's too exactly. much stuff on it. Um, I can tell you for me, uh, the, the costume that I liked the least, um, no offense, but I, I disliked <laughs> the Ben Riley uh, costume so much at first, right? So, and I was always like, I just don't understand with the, the half top. And like the, the cutoff sleeves and everything, and I didn't get it. And then I wound up doing covers for the book for a year. Uh, and so I had to be like, all right, I gotta really tap into this character and figure out how to make it work for me. And over the course of that run on the book, it wound up being my favorite uh, Spider Man costume. So, like, now when people ask me, like, what's the book you like to draw, it's always the Ben Riley. So I'm going to go with that one for now because it took me, I had to grow into it, and now I kind of made it my favorite. Nice. Um. I love the Spider-Gwen costume. I think it is amazing. I think uh, Rico Renzi, who's the colorist on the book, did an amazing job. The palettes are fantastic. She's super cute. Uh, I am in love with that costume, up and down. Yeah, absolutely. And every cosplayer in America is, too. Yes, and that makes me happy. (laughs) What about you, Mark? Favorite suit? Um, the classic one pretty much is the one, but it has to have the things, like I said, under arm. It has to have the web. Yeah, oh, because, yeah. Okay. you know, it just looks weird. <laughs> also, the Maz Morales one is, like, really one of my... Yeah, it's my favorite visually, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to draw. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like I said, the like, movie one's great, too, but it's just, like, yeah, it really really makes it more difficult. The inverse and, webs. Like, yeah. it's, it's the black costume but like the inverse webs on top do you realize how hard it is to yeah. draw that like yeah. you and that's the thing it's like to do it for a single image is fine but to do it either to pencil it or ink it yeah. for page after page mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. torture so. draw that costume you will hate it yeah. <laughs> trust me please Okay. Hmm, okay. Um, well, I will say this. Um, I do think on one level that breaking into comics is possibly the easier ever been. Yeah, than it's been, yeah. ever been. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I, I broke in around 2003. And... Uh, at the time, it was like, you know, you want to break into Marvel or DC or, like, Image. And you only had so many options. But nowadays, there's, there's a million different companies that are looking for different things. Mm-hmm. And, and even stylistically, like, mm-hmm. I have a very cartoony art style. When I was trying to get in, in, like, 03, the styles that were prevalent were, like, guys like Brian Hitch and guys yep. that did, like, very realistic, heavily detailed art styles. Yeah, a very famous artist told him that he wouldn't break into comics with this yes, style. Yes, yeah. no names. <laughs> but he's but, very uh, famous. <laughs> one of the biggest guys was like, you're never going to make it, man, because your stuff is too cartoony. Um, and, and he was right. I mean, 
it, it took a while. It took a while. But the point is, is that like there are so many different avenues, and you don't even obviously we're all pro Marvel here, but you don't need Marvel to be successful. Correct. Like Absolutely. you can. You can make it doing your own thing yep. through Kickstarter or through the internet or whatever. And if you can find your audience via the internet, social media, um, and you can put out stuff regularly, Absolutely. yeah, the world is yours at this point. And, so, and actually, they'll come to find you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, a lot of the editors, a lot of the, the big companies troll the, 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 internet, the social looking. media, uh, the line webtoons, uh, you know, any sort of webtoon sites. They're always looking for really, you know, really fun content and they'll if you put yourself out there and you make sure that you've got you know you get you build your audience on social media and always continue you know drawing and writing and making sure you you're constantly practicing your craft uh, and putting it out there somebody will find it somebody will will find you yeah and yeah. but you know you're putting yourself out there it means you're doing the work though that's the big thing and that's what they want to see is that you can do the work so yeah just just create a lot and make sure you want to put it out there on a regular basis so yeah. that people mm-hmm. can see that you're consistent yeah this person's consistent they can get stuff done and mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter honestly what you're drawing as long as you're you can be draw what you know you're good at um, and then obviously work on the stuff you're bad at too but uh, honestly just focus on just getting stuff out there yeah. and you'll you'll eventually find your audience yeah. um, and you'll you'll find a way to make it work yeah and as far as uh, what else I'd like to see in the industry, I don't know. I think I'm seeing a lot of stuff now that I never saw 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So five it's a, years ago. Five years ago, yeah. So it's just super exciting that I'm seeing all these different styles of art, stuff that, you know, I mean, I, I started in comics. God, I know half of you are, were never born before I started in comics. But I started in 1995, so uh, there, was, there was barely an internet at that point, not to mention no social media. So... The comics that were being made had house styles. There was a house style at Image. There was a house style at, at uh, Wildstorm that I started at and, and so on. So you didn't get a lot of the diversity of art that you get now. I mean, now that you could... I mean, I am excited to see all sorts of different types of stories and styles. And I, I, just, I just want, bring them on, bring more. I want, you know, crazy westerns. I want crazy romance uh, stories. I want all these different, you know, story styles and... And art styles, I'm just eating it up. I love it. I love it. And just more, 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 more. And just to, I mean, you mentioned diversity as well. Um, I mean, I think you can look at this panel right here, and you can see that, like... There's a whole, a whole lot more diversity in comics now. Yeah. Too. Like, yeah. If, if you are good and you're talented, <laughs> I mean, or if, uh, even if you're not good, I mean, I'm... Whatever. But, uh, <laughs> like, I think there is an audience for new and different stories because we've all seen the same stories over and over and over. Yeah. So if you have something to say and you can say it well, like, you're going to find an audience. Yeah. So, yeah. just, I don't like know, man. Just draw some shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> and there's yours. Yes. Sorry, sorry. For the, um, he owes him $5 now. Uh, <laughs> I swear, Jar. You, you said there'd be one. With <laughs> <laughs> And the worst box that has been opened that is now known as the Spider-Verse, do you believe that more than just Peter Parker and Miles and Miles will have different renditions, different people from different backgrounds through? Because New York is a giant muffin, but do you believe that there will be different spiders from all across the world? They will put out as many Spider-Man books as you guys will buy. <laughs> can have one every day of the week yeah. if you like it. So. I, I hope so, because yes. they certainly drove, point, drove the point home in the movie that anybody can be Spider-Man. So, I mean, hopefully you get bit by a radioactive something or other. But, you know, I, it just that seemed to be a big push in the movie, and therefore it opens the door to all, all sorts of options for Spider-People all over the world. So I'm hoping so. Stanley Cameo. Oh, that's good. Oh. Well, the Spider-Verse one was pretty good, actually. Yeah, that was good. I like that one. Yeah. Well, I forget what movie it was. It was... There was one where... Did he become the Watcher? Or was it... Oh, yeah. What was, uh, what was that? I forget what movie that was. Ragnarok? There. Was it Ragnarok? Was it, was it Ragnarok where he was the Watcher? Yeah, that was great. That was that was, that was really, really fun. Yeah. I like that one. Regardless of the style you're drawing, or the story you're drawing, more the character, what other pieces of character you would like to live out? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, I think I like the fact that um, Spider-Man is like imperfect, uh, so that he always gets the job done, but like it's always in a kind of roundabout way, and he's not—he's gonna mess up a couple times, and like he. He's not like a Captain America who's always like a standing beacon of like perfection. He's just like he's a, he's a working class dude just trying to get it done, uh, and that's the part that I kind of relate to because I'm also far from perfect. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of one of the things I like about him is that he's just kind of like a regular dude who still looks up to the other guys like they're bigger superheroes than him, even though he's obviously. Spider-Man. Yeah, he's got to get over that inferiority complex thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I have nothing. Okay. Uh, I, I, as somebody who is neither kinetic nor particularly athletic, I really love his sort of crazy kinetic dancer cat qualities. You know, his, the, uh, like you were saying, the, the hands that are always super, you know, super, ex- uh, you know, uh, hyperextended and super expressed. It's just visually, I think he's just absolutely fascinating. And I wish I could, you know, swing around as, as easily as he does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like that bot Spider-Man in that movie. He, he's been through some stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a kid now. I, do you yeah, do you relate to Dad? I, I, I Spider-Man. Like, yes, yes, I'm I at the do. Age now, where you know, Dad Spidey is uh, definitely a, a thing. Um, no, actually, you know, I, it was it was the first time that I'd seen Spider-Man in that you know, as an older guy, as kind of a, you know, somewhat washed up and kind of you know, just just been through some through some life stuff and. Uh, and it was it was a take that I wasn't used to since I prefer and I like the the younger version of the character. So it was it was a fresh take for me, even though you know, it sounds like it's a fresh look at Spider Man, but he's forty something years old or whatever. And uh, you know, but I I thought it was uh, I thought it was a really interesting aspect of uh, of the character that I that hadn't had thought never of. Been done before, that had never really. been done before, exactly. So that was that was a an eye opener, and I appreciated it as the dad bod that I have. So yeah, um, yeah for me, it's it's. It's definitely Miles. I mean, I one, I live in Brooklyn, uh, so, like, a lot of that really resonated with me. Uh, his relationship with, uh, with Prowler, like, mm, yeah. I've never cried at a Marvel movie, I but uh, that one got me. I was yeah, like, seriously. anyone can wear the mask, man. I was like, oh, man, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> like, uh, the whole Miles deal, like, see, seeing a Spider-Man mm-hmm. that kind of looked like me, yeah. obviously, I... It resonated, you know, and and it it made sense to me on a level where like um, now when I'm a professional artist and other young kids come up to me and they say, "Oh man, we didn't know that you know you could look like us and do what you do for a living." It it kind of relates in a way. Mm-hmm. So like I obviously it's a it's a thing that it's personal to me. I was so, thinking of you when he was drawing with the radio on. Yeah, that, yeah. that was basically yeah, me. That was you. That's yeah. basically me. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's cool. Oh, Spider-Verse. I loved in, Into the Spider-Verse. I thought visually it was like seeing a comic book come to total life. And I'm like, okay, I'm changing all of my color palettes now to be these super bright extra... <laughs> Which will never show on print because print can only handle so much ink. But yeah, I just I was like, oh, my eyes—they're awesome. This is beautiful. And seeing Kirby Crackle actually used in a visual way was just super exciting. I loved it. Loved it. Up until Spider Verse, it was Spider Man Two with Doc Ock. Yeah. That was really really great movie. Even though mm-hmm. I never understood how Doc Ock could take a punch from Spider Man and live. <laughs> I mean, he could hold a train back, he was but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Pulling his punches, I guess, or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was by far Spider Verse for me. Yeah. Um, one because sidebar, they they asked me to work on that movie. Like they literally hit me up on LinkedIn and they were like, "Hey, would you want to do some stuff for the movie?" And at the time, I had just well, I was going through a breakup, and I was like, I "Yeah, I was like, I will move out to LA right now." 
please let me work on this thing. And then I never heard back from them ever again. <laughs> which, Aww. Uh, Aww. I know, I know. You got lost, so, man. <laughs> but it, it got lost. I got a new girlfriend. It's off right now. Uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, Spider Verse, because there are panels from that. There are scenes from that movie that literally look like stuff that I would draw yeah, already. Absolutely. Uh, so, by far, like, mm. Spider Verse is like I, without question, within the first five minutes, I was like, "This is the best yes. Spider Man movie I've ever seen." Yep. Um, so yeah. Uh, please. No. Sure. Uh, so you guys are so far. Has there been an arc that you guys have worked on? You're like, man, this is it. This is what it's going to define. The same term is there an arc that you've seen created somewhere in the Spider in the whole Spider Man genre that's like, man, that's why I as for me, I've never worked on Spider-Man long enough to really have that arc. I mean, um, I've been doing it here and there. I mean, the best arc I think I worked on was with Laura and Olivia and Thor. Yeah. But that's yeah, a whole other that book. That was my favorite. So hopefully that's one day favorite. we'll have the great Spider-Man arc. Yes. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, uh, to be honest, and this is going to sound terrible, I should admit this to this crowd especially, but uh, as a, when, when Marvel first picked me up after CrossGen folded, uh, they were like, which characters do you want to work on? And I said, I don't want to work on Spider-Man. And the reason why I didn't want to work on Spider-Man because he's, I didn't see his face. And I love rendering faces. So I was like, he's an egg. I don't want to color an egg, you know. Uh, and uh, so I just I wasn't part of the spider office for a long time other than covers here and there yeah. um, so when, when Nick Lowe the, uh, the, the, head, the uh, editor of the spider office there contacted me and asked me to, to jump in this is when um, Ju- I don't know if you know Justin Ponzer was a colorist on Spider-Man for a long time uh, he was starting to he's, he was having some health issues so they asked me to step in when Ryan Otley took over the series and uh, so that was my first time of actually working on a run of Spider-Man. Um, and, you know, I love it because I love, I love Ryan's work. I loved it on Invincibles. And it was, it was, a great, it was great to be a part of, uh, of his team. Um, but I think maybe my favorite run was probably Ultimate Spider-Man. I thought the Bagley stuff was fantastic. So, um, but uh, I just want to do a shout-out right now to Justin. Uh, he's a de- very dear friend of mine. I actually trained him at Wildstorm. We worked together at Wildstorm and CrossGen. He passed away a few weeks ago. Uh, from cancer, and uh, and he really did so much to define uh, the Miles Morales Spider Verse, and he's just an amazing dude. So I just wanted to say, Justin, I love you, buddy. So he's the best. He's the best. He really was. Um, uh, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. Like um, the first part of the question, it's hard for me to answer because I always feel like my best work hasn't been drawn yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I can look back to the things I've done in my past and like, yeah, that was cool, but it's, and I'm always looking at it like what I could have done better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for sure, my best stuff is ahead of me. Um, but as far as my favorite run of anything, it's always been, like she said, Ultimate Spider-Man. I just think that it, for, for this generation, I think they captured like what Spider-Man is mm-hmm. in like a single body of work mm-hmm. with a great run by like, you know, even, you know, between the Bagley stuff and the Stuart Eminem stuff, like, it was just yeah. completely perfect to me. Yeah. So that was my favorite stuff to this day. Yeah. Thank you. When you guys are composing a page or a cover, where do you start that process? And this isn't Spider-specific, but I've got a lot of talent on this stage, and I want to ask an <laughs> art question if that's okay. That's good. That's good. Um, well, as far as covers go... Uh, the first thing I'm thinking about is the fact that uh, when you go in a comic book shop, it's like a wall of color. Uh, so I'm always thinking about a design and a color scheme that will stand out amongst like a hundred other books. Um, so while all the, you know, a cool shot of Spider-Man, you know, punching Electro in the face is cool, I'm always thinking about the best way to showcase that so that it'll stand out from everybody else because mm-hmm. you guys have all seen a million comic book covers and they kind of all look the same after a while. Mm-hmm. So standing out amongst a sea of a million other artists is first and foremost what is important to me and usually it, it, it has to do with color. Um, and I'm not even a colorist like that but I think I have enough ideas of color theory that will make me kind of 
stand out a little bit. So that's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> from my point of view, I'm usually inking the covers, so I just want to make it clear, readable, and make it pop, you know, so that when the colorist takes it over, they can really play around with what you were saying and just make it stand out mm-hmm. from what's out there because there are a million books out there. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I try to, um, again, push the contrast really high so that it stands out from other images on the, on the, uh, on the stands. That's tough to do because there are so many comics out there, so... Um, uh, so I, I really try to, you know, if there's, uh, if I want to make it purple and, you know, if I want to make the overall color scheme like purple and orange, then I really push the purple and orange. If I want to make it red and blue, then I really push the red and blue. I want to saturate and get, I want to catch your eye and I want to hold it. So anytime I get to use super bright colors, um, I'm, I'm in there. Uh, and uh, I want to, you know, also tell the story. If there's something happening on the cover that is, you know, is, is a little piece of the story caught in one image, uh, I want to be honest to that too, so I'll also consider, uh, you know, what's happening. Is it is it a fight scene? Is it you know a bunch of characters standing on a rock? Is it uh, you know is it something, you know, are, are Peter Parker and Spider Man fighting each other? And I want to make that as visually arresting as possible in the colors, so that you notice it and pick it up. <laughs> oh oh, and to add on to that, and and as far as interior pages, um, when I was younger, like in my twenties. I was always like, all right, what's going to be the coolest thing? What's going to have the craziest panels? And I want to do all the, all the cool stuff that spoke to me when I was like a kid. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten older, uh, it's changed more into what's the best way to tell the story that isn't confusing for the audience. Mm-hmm. So like, because I know that like you know sometimes when you draw stuff, when you're reading stuff and there's something weird that sticks out to you, to your eye. It kind of pulls you out of the book, and you you stop realizing that oh, this is just drawings and words on paper. So I'm always trying to make it as clear as possible so that yeah. you guys don't, are never pulled out of the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it's um, done well, it should be completely immersive, and you don't really notice it. The words and pictures should meld together mm-hmm. in harmony. But sometimes you can't if you do something too splashy. Yeah. yeah. You may not realize how manipulative I am with the colors. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I color each, I color by scene. So if there's you know, a three-page scene or a five-page scene or whatever, I will set up a color palette for that scene that will tie in with the story, uh, and that will also enhance the mood that's happening in the story, um, and will be different from the next scene. So you know when there's a break in the story. You know you're going to another you know, location in the story or to another scene. Um, but I always, again, I use a lot of contrast to make sure your, your, your eyes are drawn to the thing that's important on the page. And you're also um, catching, a, a, on a subconscious level, you're catching an, a mood or a feeling from the page just in color alone. So say, for instance, there's a scene with a, that's happening in a, in a, in a, a lab, like a, a doctor's lab or something. Um, depending on, is this doctor, you know, is this doctor a good do- guy? Is he helping out the NYPD doing something cool? Uh, is it is it a really gross sort of nasty well you know dangerous doctor who's working you know off the grid? Uh, so I, I create an, an environment that will enhance that feeling for you. You know is it is it a gritty gross doctor's office or is it a shiny clean you know sterile doctor's office or is it like you know a crazy doctor from uh, from uh, you know um, what was his name Doctor Spachemin from uh, you know. <laughs> So uh, you know I, that's and so I, I really try to play with uh, with the colors in a way that you recognize even on a subconscious level sort of the feeling that the story is giving you. So I'm I'm in I manipulate you guys a little bit. I know all you guys have done covers. I've always wondered since I was a kid. Do you just get to draw whatever you want? Do you get to read the story first? Do you do a couple covers and and they pick one? How does that process work? Uh. It, it varies company by company. but an I, editor, editor. An yeah. editor by editor. editor yeah. I'd say at Marvel, you're kind of flying by the city of your pants most times. So <laughs> It's true. Uh, there'll be times where they'll be like, look, this script's not even drawn yet, man. So we know, we know Mysterio's in there somewhere. So like, <laughs> just draw something cool Mysterio in it. Um, it, it really depends. Um, usually, I, I tend to submit maybe three or four sketches based off of a loose thing that they have and then they pick the strongest one. Or, use, or well, not. Or not. Actually, <laughs> oh, yeah, what really yeah. happens is, yeah. if we're going to keep it 100% real, uh, I always 
draw three or four ideas. There's like one I like the most, and they always pick the one I like the least. Always, uh, every single time. So it's editors, it's man. What, what can you do? I don't know. It's just um, the pro tip is just wait till the very last second. Yeah, and they'll I'll take just do what one you sketch. got. Yeah, and they're like, okay, I guess go with it. Yeah. Totally. Shh, don't tell our editors we said any of that, by the way. I love all my editors. They're fantastic people. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> uh, as for me, I'm sorry, uh, as for me, I, they just let me do what I want, basically. You know? And if there is any sort of an issue, it's usually like I um, you know, got a, a character color wrong or something. You know? But they usually send me reference so I know who I'm dealing with. You know? Usually. Um, usually. Or I ask for it. So... Uh, yeah, they um, at this point they just hand me a cover and say, you know, go with God. So. Do tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> do tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Laura, can I ask you yeah. how often uh, when you get those covers do you get a chance to talk with the artists, or is it just the editor kind of giving you stuff and saying? Go? I re- I really try to talk to the artists as often as I can. Uh, I think having a, a it's you know ultimately our job is collaborative. We have to work with each other, and I want to be able to bring. Uh, the, 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 the cumulative vision of all three or four artists on the book to the image. So, yeah, I, I will definitely talk to the artist whenever I can. Sometimes there's no time and I just get a hand at a cover from the penciler, but I will always email the, the artist if I can and say, hey, what have you got in mind for this? Um, like, I've, I've been working with John Cassidy forever and a day, and as soon as I get any image from him, I immediately email and say, hey, okay, so what's your, what's your thoughts on this? You know, and I try to do that with everybody because I really want to be sure that I'm... Um, then I'm staying true to their vision as well as bringing my own touch to it. So, so for you guys, how in those, in those panels or pages where it is void of dialogue, how do you guys paint the environment <coughs> to tell the story without using dialogue that they said before without the... It would be void just... It's a scene, and you're trying to trying to get it all flow mm-hmm. really well, and then paint that scene. Um, well, there's a couple ways. I mean, generally, when I'm when I'm laying out a page, I'm trying to do it, lay it out so that you don't even need words. That yeah. you could understand the story without a single. The the words to me are just like sprinkling on top that adds subtext to it. Spice, spice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just a little, yeah, little, little, little touch of little dash. Um, but yeah, so I'm always trying to use things like um, sometimes you use like shadows and and like the use of black ink to kind of guide your eye through the panel. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's even just like having literally a character just point <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. towards the neck. Like you're always trying to guide it. Like, Got him like to the like panel grid, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, it's yeah, it's always mm-hmm. just like I was telling an artist the other day. He was doing a, a, a car chase scene. And he had the entire car chase uh, going from right to left. Oh, boy. Which is, like, not the way you want to do it. Because in Western comics, we read everything from left to right. So if you want to... manga, but... Yeah, if you're you're reading manga, that's one thing. But, like, you want to keep the flow of the panel always going from left to right and kind of like heading towards the lower right hand keep turning the page yep. mm-hmm. yeah and when you when you go opposite of that you have to have a really good reason mm-hmm. otherwise it just throws off the flow of the entire page mm-hmm. so it's like little things like that that you kind of it's little tricks that we use to kind of guide your eye through the page mm-hmm. so that and if it's done well you shouldn't really notice it yeah exactly it should just feel comfortable to read yeah so like angles and, and mm-hmm. um, points of interest for mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, exactly, exactly. Also, and there's the whole color aspect. Yeah, as well. which you know we 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 also do a lot of uh, directing of the eye by using you know hot points or, or high con- contrast areas to make sure you're looking at the thing that's important on the panel, and then tying that together with the next panel so that you know your eye is going to go down to the next panel in the right order. Um, uh, we try very hard to. Like minimize some of the coloring on backgrounds because you know ultimately you know the buildings in the far distance or whatever's going on the chair and the table over here that, they're not part of the story so you simplify those down and you make you know the, the speaking character or the action scene the most important thing visually on the page um, and I'll also the, especially when I'm working with artists who don't do a lot of uh, a lot of ink work or a lot of blacks I will create those angles that he was talking about in the color like 
a lot of times there'll be just some wacky shadow across a wall. It's, it's relating to nothing. It has nothing to do with anything. But it's over there, and it's just keeping that corner of the panel quiet so your eye looks into the center of the panel or into the main sequence in the panel. So, yeah, there's a lot of little visual tricks that we do. basically all magician tricks. Oh, yeah, we're just, we're just totally, like, pulling your eye around the page where we want you to look. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, unfortunately, they're going to make me wrap here, but I do have one more question. Okay. It's a pretty easy one. All right. What can we look forward from you guys in the future, and where can all of your fans out here find your work? Okay. Um, okay. Um, so, it's not Spider-Man, but uh, <laughs> uh, I just came out with a new book from Image called Excellence that I'm a co-creator on. Uh, it's a book about magicians and uh, secret societies and fathers and son relationships and daddy issues and all that good stuff. <laughs> uh, so I have that at my table right now. I'm at G22. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's my main thing right now. Uh, I just finished an issue of Spider-Man. It's Amazing Spider-Man 24. Uh, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley yep. drew it. Laura, I believe, is holding it. I think going to be mine. All right. Um, I'm also doing Avengers with Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. That's uh, slowly killing us, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. And um, some Justice League stuff with Jim Chung and Scott Snyder from time to time. Nice. So, and my table will be one out there. Yep. Uh, I, am, uh, I took a short hiatus on Amazing Spidey because I had surgery early this year, but I'm hopping back on it now with this issue that he's talking about. So I'll be back on the series again. Super excited. Can't wait. Um, I'm also working on Ragnarok, which is Walt Simonson's like love letter to Norse mythology. Uh, that's through uh, IDW. Definitely check that out. The first issue, the first six issues are already collected into a trade. I'm working on, uh, or excuse me, the first twelve issues are already collected into a trade. I'm working on issue fourteen now, so uh, definitely check that out. And also, uh, I'm working on the Ride, which is a, an Image title through twelve or a twelve gauge comics title released through Image about a car. Um, and the mysteries, and it's a hard-boiled crime thing, but mostly the, the one recurring character is a car, so I don't know. Uh, that's by uh, Doug Wagner and Daniel Hilliard, and uh, that'll be coming out probably in July. So, Thank you guys so much for all of your, your kind answers today, and you guys were an excellent crowd. Definitely. I have one Thank more you. favor. Get loud and give it up for our panel today. Laura Martin. <laughs> Mark Morales. And Kari Randolph, thank you guys so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Thinking Outside the Long Walks podcast. Join us on Facebook and Twitter to get behind-the-scenes information for exclusive content and to be notified when new episodes are available. The thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast, Baron Space Productions, its partners, or affiliates. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is made available by its creators, Juan, John, and Gabe. The podcast is edited and produced by Juan, and Alby is the co-executive producer. The Thinking Outside the Long Box podcast is a barren space production.